This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. So I am, a, I am a, at heart uh, a black preacher, black Baptist preacher. Uh, and so while I try to keep that a little bit tempered, it might, it might, uh, it might come out. And I'm looking for you to say amen. amen. You and me, buddy. We're going we to take this, all right? Uh, it's a joy to be here this morning, uh, and uh, uh, my wife and I, we, we like to explain ourselves. We're, we're a couple of kids from, from West Philly, and uh, growing up uh, in uh, some, some, some rough economic times in our families, uh, growing up pretty poor, and now we, um, we have the privilege and the opportunity to uh, be a part of what God is doing around the world, and so, and we don't take that that lightly. Uh, and uh, uh, along the way, we get the opportunity to meet some wonderful people. And uh, we met uh, Kim, Kim, T- Ken. <laughs> I just called you Kim. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we met this wonderful couple, uh, and they uh, and they uh, became friends. And uh, when we moved to Portland five months ago, we had opportunity for them to come to our house. And uh, and so, uh, really, we're here uh, because we've met some friends, and we get a chance to spend some time with them, and also to share with you. Um, so uh, we're thankful. Uh, can I pray for us right now? Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for uh, your grace and your mercy that is upon us. And we pray that in this moment, in this time, that you would, uh, you would meet us. Uh, God, thank you for the word that um, this can't be an, another or, uh, ordinary Sunday. Lord, make this a Sunday um, where you show yourself strong to us again. In Christ's name, amen. So I would like to uh, read from uh, Ephesians um, this morning, chapter 3. So when I, when I pastor church in Atlanta uh, that we we're part of for 16, 13 years, I, uh, I wasn't a very good seasonal preacher, um, you know, it, it just feels like so much pressure to, you got to get a sermon that matches the season, right? And uh, so uh, while I, I am uh, uh, enjoying the Christmas season, uh, my sermon this morning may not be a Christmas message uh, because I, I don't, I just don't do that very well. So have mercy on me today. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I, already written, as I have already written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not which was not made known to people in other generations as it, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. 
this mystery that is through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of the mystery, which was for ages past, which, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, in, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are, your which are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, now to, unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading of his word. So Paul, um, as you, you know, one of the one of the things I uh, admire highly about Ken is his love of scripture and his, uh, the way he teaches it. And um, so I would imagine you already know that this epistle uh, was written while Paul was in prison, uh, that uh, it is one of the prison epistles. Uh, and uh, Paul is in prison at this moment writing this epistle because he took uh, a non-Jewish person to temple, uh, that uh, in, uh, in doing that, we read in Acts that, that Paul was thrown into prison for this act, for, uh, for, for living out what he believed to be uh, the equality of the gospel, right? That Paul didn't want to just preach this, but he wanted to live it, live it out, and it lands him in a prison. Uh, now, uh, Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus. I love this book uh, because a number of reasons. One, you know, he's in prison, right? Uh, he writes to this church where uh, Timothy was set up as the pastor, right? Uh, so Timothy is called to lead this. Timothy, who was uh, an adopted son of Paul in the gospel, uh, Timothy, uh, who was this biracial kid, right? Uh, his mother was Jewish and his father Greek, right? So Timothy, uh, uh, growing up in a society uh, where these two, these two, uh, these two uh, cultures did not mix, right? Jews and Greeks, that, that, that just wasn't a mix. But here's Timothy, uh, his mother and his father, um, 
coming together outside of that culture, right? And we learn that Timothy, uh, we don't know the full story, I don't, I, that, but, but he was raised by his mom and his grandmom, right? Uh, Paul, Paul acknowledges Timothy, when he met Timothy, I see something in you that was given to you by your mother and your grandmother. Uh, so, so we may be looking at a kid here who's biracial, growing up in a time uh, where that, was, that wasn't necessarily Necessarily a good thing. Uh, also, being raised as as a kid by his mom and grandma, possibly a single kid parent home, right? So, so this message to Timothy, as he leads this church, this non-Jewish church, uh, into uh, into the ways of the gospel, right? Uh, all of the all of the stuff swirling around the context of Ephesians is just amazing to me. Uh, and and so as we as we look at that, um, I, I I like to talk a little bit about this idea of community that is established between the privileged and the vulnerable, right? Between the insider and the outsider. Uh, that that this idea that Paul was putting across and living is one that we can we can uh, we can take hold of today. So uh, so 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 so. Uh, in my in my understanding and learning and experience, when I've seen true community emerge between privileged and between vulnerable people, is when this this great idea happens. Is when those of privilege understand that they are not heroes, and when those who are vulnerable are empowered. Right? When those two things come together, this amazing community emerges, right? And, and I think we see that emerging from Paul. As Paul goes in, he doesn't come in as a hero, right? And we see Paul uh, empower Timothy over and over and over again in his writings, right? Timothy, let no man despise your youth, right? Be an example of, the word, of a believer, right? T Paul and Timothy get to this place of community, because Paul doesn't see himself as a hero, and because Timothy is being empowered to preach the gospel. This idea uh, uh, comes across practically in service, right? When privileged folks decide that we're going to live a life of service and empowerment, right? When uh, someone who is vulnerable is empowered, uh, risk taken by serving and uh, the idea of forgiveness going uh, lived out by the vulnerable, right? That, that these two things also take place in that. We see, we see this idea with the rich young ruler, right? The rich young ruler um, is asked to give up something, to take a risk, right, to let everything go. And the woman at the well is empowered, right? Uh, she is given some power, and she goes out, and she preaches, right, that, that this idea, these things, when they come together, creates this wonderful, wonderful uh, community of believers, I believe. 
and and as we as we go around the world and uh, we start to experience other communities and we see where there are folks who come in privileged but who who embrace culture who love people who serve people deeply that 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 taking that position in a vulnerable community actually empowers those who are vulnerable and something of the kingdom is established. These two are are gathered in Christ's name and God gets the glory from it. Amen? All right, I need need an amen, brother. Come on. All right. That was my first breath. All right. Paul says, I became a servant, right? This idea that the privileged uh, become a servant. Paul, Paul, Paul enters this, uh, this idea here in this scripture. He says, I became a servant. Uh, uh, that, God, that, that for Paul, God's power broke down his privilege. Uh, and not, not, not a servant uh, that does things for a couple of weeks a year as we're used to, but a lifetime commitment to serve we see Paul has. Paul says, I have been called to take this gospel to those who think they don't deserve it, right? I have been called to serve the Gentiles, right? He is committed. He is committed his life to that. Uh, uh, and, and our idea of service, as we think about it, uh, that if we are in this room and we are privileged, then our idea of service has to take on this lifetime commitment to it, right? I know we live in a day and age where uh, if you do it for a week or you do a good drive, that that covers it. But, but, but that's just the beginning of it. That our commitment needs to be a lifetime of service. How do I commit to living this way for the rest of my life? And how does my life embody this as I go about it every day, right? Uh, uh, Paul, um, uh, Paul, I mean, he made it clear, right? Paul, when he... Uh, he saw Jesus, right? When he was on that road to Damascus, he made it clear. I saw God directly, right? There was no intervention. He knocked me off my horse himself, right? And, and I had to look straight into his face, right? Paul says, as you read some of this stuff, he's saying this over and over and over again, that it was straight revelation to me. Uh, and based on that, Paul comes out of that experience saying, Dude, I'm I'm nothing, right? Right? Like like over and over and over again, Paul goes, "I am nothing," right? You know. In fact, he says, "Everything that I think I've accomplished, it's done," right? Right? It's nothing. It's nada, right? And we put an expletive there, right? You know that, like like Paul says, "It is nothing. It is done." And this is, this, is, this is after he gets this direct connection with the king. We see this throughout scripture. Isaiah had this same experience. Remember Isaiah's experience where he says, I saw the Lord, right, seated on his throne. And his next sentence was, I'm undone. I'm nothing. I, I got nothing to give in this instance. This idea that when we see and we experience and we know the love of God in this way, we understand our place 
in, in, in connection to that. It's that I have zero to give. Everything that I think I have accomplished, it amounts to nothing. The only thing that matters is this grace of God in my life and the mercy that he has on me. And I'm going to live within that. Right? That, that once we see him, once we experience him, once we know him, then we know our lives are hidden in him. We got nothing else to give except that which he has called us to do in those times. Right? Nothing. God, what do you want? God, where should I go? Who should I be giving to? What, what, how do you want me to plant my life? Right? Everything about Paul after that moment had to do with God, what do you want? And I'm afraid that many of us don't live that out in our lives, that it's not always God, what do you want? Sometimes it's our agendas, it's our ways, it's our plans, it's our styles, it's our culture, it's our thing. And somehow, Somehow, we got to get to this space of, God, what do you, whatever you want, I'm in it. Whatever you desire, like, I will do. Right? Paul, Paul uh, uh, makes this extremely clear. Paul also lets us in on, he says, this mystery was revealed to us. He said, and this, this mystery, this mystery was about the unity of the body. This mystery was about, hey, there is only one church and that God is reigning over it all. That in fact, we are not separate. In fact, we are together. We are one. God sees us as one church, one force, one body. Now, that's hard. For us to understand, I think in today's, today's world where there are 33,000 denominations, right? Where you can pick one. You become a Christian, you got a whole lot of choices, right? You can pick one of 33,000. But Paul, Paul declares here, no, 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 no. That's not what I saw. That's not what I understand. The mystery of this faith is being revealed that there is one God and that he is a part of us all and that we are one, one church. Amen. And that our work and our lives need to be dedicated to getting to that oneness. How are you and I becoming one? Every day, in the mornings, when we wake up, how am I becoming one with my brother or sister to bring glory to the king? Uno. I don't know a lot of Spanish. I don't know why I even said that. I have no idea where that came from. Wow. Then the understanding that Paul puts out here is that the word uh, about the riches of Christ, right, to those who are less, uh, uh, this language of like, that is fresh air 
That's like breathing something anew. Huh? That this idea that Christ in the world, Emmanuel, God with us, as he enters the world as a baby and establishes his life, that for those who were oppressed, those who were on the outside, those who were less privileged, it became like fresh air, like breathing again. It's just the riches of this faith has brought something new. That you and I called to represent the fresh air of righteousness and justice and life in the world is a call that we have. What does it mean for us to represent that? That it's like breathing to a kid or to a family that's living and struggling underneath of something, whether that's uh, financial, whether that's spiritual, they can't get out. And you and I bring the riches of the kingdom, the glory of God, alive and new as a fresh intake of air in the world. Privilege, serving the oppressed, brings this fresh air to the table. That's what Paul believed he was doing. That I got a new word for the Gentiles. I got a word for those who think they don't belong. You have a place in the kingdom. Breathe. Huh? For that kid that didn't eat last night to know that they have a place in the kingdom, breathe. For them to know that with the loaf of bread that we bring, it's a friendship and a relationship that invites them in to the family and says, I am your brother and your sister. Breathe. That is life, Paul says. And Paul was dedicated to getting this out. An example, he of course learned from Jesus, right? Because Jesus gave the woman at the well fresh life. She went out and preached this thing better than Ken could ever preach it, right? I'm going pick on you, bro, sorry. Paul also says that justice and life through the church. Hmm. That Paul is careful here to say that God is bringing about this and he's bringing it about through the church. Now, if you, uh, in my, my experience as a kid, I grew up in church my entire life and uh, 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 the hymns now mean something to me that, you know, I couldn't stand sitting around the hymns when the lady's playing them at the piano and you're just like, oh, dying. Now, now I hear a hymn and I'm like, oh, that is, that is magical, right? But there was a point in time in my 
in my early 20s where I was done with the church. They didn't get it. They didn't understand what was going on in my community. They didn't see these people struggling and suffering. God is going to do something about that. He's sending me, and yes, I'm willing to go. And I went in my mid-20s. We served the homeless for five years. We went out and helped start schools and all kinds of stuff. God so deeply involved in this work. And all of a sudden, as I'm studying more and more in these scriptures, I am... I'm getting a, a, a revival for the church, for what God wants to do with us together as one body, reconciled, restored, redeemed, getting together cross-culture. God wants to do that work in the church. And we, we are not listening all the time to that word. All we hear is division, judgment, what denomination is right or wrong. And God wants to do this work through us together. I'm, I'm recovering. I'm, I admit, I'm, I'm coming back to this idea that God wants to use the church. But Paul never left it. He was said, he said, God wants to reveal himself through this body called the church. Folks who understand that they have been redeemed. Paul also says this in this verse. He says, uh, don't, uh, don't get caught up on my suffering. That's part of the deal. Don't, don't worry about me suffering. Suffering is part of it. This goes along with the package. I am okay. Right? Right? Can imagine this scene, right? Paul's writing this church. He's given this good word, this good stuff, just as good as I, I just gave it, right? You know? And, uh, and, 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 and people are excited, but people are probably worried about Paul in this prison where he is. Paul, what about you? Paul, Paul, how are we going to get you out of there? Paul, how are you doing, Paul? Paul, we need to be praying for you in that prison. Paul, like, like and Paul, again, he deflects this. He says, don't worry about me suffering Suffering is a part of the deal. Get on with the business. Huh? That it is, I, I am understanding more and more today that suffering is a part of this. That when you and I accept Christ, when we, when we lock into the kingdom, we need to understand that, that suffering is going to come with that. And that's going to be a part of, that is just a part of who we are. Like suffering isn't on the outside of our lives. Like, I'm going to get through this suffering thing and then get back to my life, right? Like, I'm going to get through this illness and get back to my life. I'm going to get through this financial thing and get back to my life. I'm going to get through this, like, no, 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 no. We were made to go through this suffering. That, that the challenge is, how do we endure it as good followers of Jesus, Right? Uh, 
Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians, to this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answered kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. But Paul, this same guy also writes, this present suffering is not worthy to be compared to what we shall be. So you and I, we were called to suffer. We were called to teach the world how to go through tough things well. How do we deal with sickness well? How do we deal with strife well? How we deal with homelessness? How we deal with being talked about? How we deal with all of these things that will come in the world? How do we go through that in a good way? Not escape it. Not look for ways around it. Not let it become the center of the day. But let it be a part of our lives. I know I have signed on the line for suffering. Lord, give me the grace and the strength to go through it with joy. Let me bless those who cause me to suffer today. And I'll tell you, growing up in Philly as an African-American man, this is this scripture is tough because, man, I want some white folks to pay, right? I want, I want, I want, I want justice. I want vengeance. I want all that happened. I want somebody to pay for it. But the older I get, the more I'm realizing that God has called us to this idea of forgiveness. As a vulnerable person, as a person of privilege, we come into community in this space that God has brought us into together. And we take on our suffering well. That's a hard one. David says, David says, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your ride is always there protecting me. In other words, David even says, he prepares a meal for us in the presence of our enemies. What if? We were able to get a handle on this suffering thing and on this, this idea of one church. And you and I were celebrating together as a body when all the craziness of the world's happening. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so the Republicans and the Democrats and the uh, uh, liberals uh, 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 and the conservatives and, and, and all these sides are going crazy. But you and I, we sit down to a meal in the midst of that. 
that says, I love you, brother. Let's go out and let's represent this kingdom in the midst of this craziness. Let's show them how our kids play together. Let's show them how, how our families can get along. Let's show them how we can live above this world. You and I, this is not our home. We are pilgrims. We are strangers in this land passing through. And it is our work. It is our work. The work of the kingdom, the work of justice, the work, uh, the work of grace, the work of love, the work of peace to be relational and get this down so that we are an example. Paul, uh, Paul closes this with a prayer. And he closes his prayer. And he, he, gives, he gives this church at Ephesus something special. He, he prays for them, right? He is in, he is in a prison, right? He, and this is not a prison like today. They, they don't have any cable and, and, and three meals a day, right? right? This is a short enough prison where he is probably suffering. And he presents this prayer to the Ephesian church, right? Uh, 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 that you may be strengthened in your inner being. That you who think you are outside, you who think you are less, you who didn't eat last night, you who didn't sleep in a home, may you be strengthened in your inner being. May you know the acceptance of God himself, right? He prays that they know this. Why does Paul pray this? Why does Paul pray that their inner being gets strengthened? Because you and I know that all of this stuff doesn't matter if the inside isn't well. Paul's praying, God, God, strengthen them internally. Let them know who they are in you. I love this writer, uh, 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 one of my favorites, he wrote Jesus in the Disinherited, Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman says, he, he, writes, he wrote this little book to teach us what God said to the poor. And one of the things he said was, if you knew, if you asked an underprivileged poor person knew who you were in God, you would fear nothing. Just fear not, little flock talking to Israel. It is the will of the Father. To give you the kingdom, right? I think Paul Menaxes, he says, look, I pray that your inner being is strengthened, that you will know the acceptance and value and care of the Lord, that that will go deep in you, that he may dwell in your heart so that even though you didn't eat last night, you will know that you are not less than anyone. Huh? He says, he says uh, that I pray that you would be established in love, that you, you would know kindness, that you would know that you would know uh, God is on your side, that you would not use envy and boast and pride and anger and all of these things 
and all of these things to establish you, but that you would use love and grace and kindness and care. May your life be established in that. Paul prays for them, right? Listen, Paul doesn't pray for anything for them that is physical. He doesn't pray for them for a home while I think people should have homes, but he goes a lot deeper. He's praying that they would know who they are inside and that they would be established and start walking and going out into the world as people who love well, who knew what that was. He says that you uh, might have the power, right, together with the other saints, right? He prays for this power, and he says this power This power, he says, now look, he prays this for them together with the other saints. I think there's something about community here. I think there is something that brings them together. I think he's saying, hey, that you would know this strength internally, but then you would join with your brothers and sisters around the world and in this place knowing who you are and then that you would know the width and the length and the depth of Christ. Look at this, huh? That, that, that Paul prays for them individually that they would know who God is in their hearts, but then he prays that as they know that, they would join with their brothers and sisters in a community, and then they would know the incredible power of God. All of its width, all of this depth, all of its length, right? Listen to that. Huh? That is a prayer that Paul puts out there. And I echo that prayer. Oh, I want to know. I want to know the width and the depth and the left and the length of Christ, right? And I want to know it with like like we need to get together to know that. Like there is some kind of power available beyond us when we become a community. Huh? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, right? Right, right. Where this unity is established, God reveals himself in some crazy ways. I want to know that. Don't you want to know that? Don't you want to say, I want to experience that. Huh? Come on, God. Like, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm going to forgive all. I'm going to try to love this thing out. I'm going to try to live the way you said. I'm going to try to get with my brother or sister. Now, 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 come on. Right? It's almost like you want to see that, right? Now, come on. What does that look like? God, you taking over this place because we figured out how to get along. Huh? God, you establishing your presence on the earth because, because, because we connect as a church. Oh, man, I, wanna, I so desperately want to know that. I want to see that kind of power erupt in the earth. I want to see God do his thing. A love that surpasses human knowledge, Right? Paul says that this thing goes beyond what we can think. And he closes it with this. He says to him, who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or think, to this God, may this power be in us individually, may it be in the church, and may 
and lasts throughout time. Huh? Paul gets to this place and he says, hey, God can do immeasurably more than you can even think. I'm a, I'm a visionary. I'm a dreamer. I can think of some stuff. Right? You ask my wife, I come home with some stuff, man. The scripture says if, if, if we're able to establish this, he will do immeasurably more than, than our minds can even think of. In us, in the church. And it will speak forever. May the God of the universe convict us enough, teach us enough, dwell with us enough that we can see more now than we can even think of, than we can even imagine that will speak to our hearts, that will revive and reveal the church to the world and that will last forever. God bless you.